You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. Mill Sunday School! <laughs> I'm not Joe Kirkendall. Uh, I could never pretend to be. I don't know where I'm going to put this. Um, you guys are you guys are the uh, people who have nothing to do during spring break. Is that correct? <laughs> Unless you're leaving right after this, like you stayed specifically for Mission Sunday School, and then you're driving right after this to the beach of California. Anybody? No. <laughs> Not going to happen. Um, before I got started, Joe told me he would fire me if uh, I didn't pull out this card, the, the, I think it's the visitor's card. Really, if you've never filled out a card like this, um, I know that Sunday School is kind of revamping, trying to get... Uh, an email list together so that you guys know what the topics are, what's happening, um, when Joe's going to be gone so that you guys can skip out and go to spring break early. Um, So fill that out for me and tell Joe that I reminded you guys to do that. So um, welcome to the Mill Sunday School. If you've just wandered into this room, uh, this is one of the ministries of the Mill, which is the New Life College and 20-somethings group. And uh, we meet here every week, and so grab a bagel or some fruit or even some cereal in the back. And um, we are in our fourth week in a row of missions, and so um, you guys have in your notes what I'm going to be talking about today. So if you didn't bring your Bible, your notes, uh, that is your Bible for today. So if you didn't grab notes, there are notes back behind that black curtain back there if you want to follow along. Also, they'll be up on the screen. But... Uh, let's pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we quiet our hearts. Jesus, we focus on you. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds. God, we want to know more about who you are and what you would have us to do for such a time as this. So God, we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I was I was super super excited on Friday night for those of you guys who were there. Uh, Joe Kirkendall preached at the mill for the first time, and he did an amazing amazing job. Is that right? Yeah. All right. Um, so if you guys if you guys had to miss uh, Friday night for any reason, I really want to encourage you guys to podcast that. That's available at themillonline.org. Uh, so listen, go ahead and listen to Joe. Uh, his message was, it, it was just incredible. And so if you guys would listen uh, to that, and then after you're done, just shoot him an email. Um, he, works, he works extremely, extremely hard uh, every week. And so does, I wanted to mention this, the, the Mill Sunday School team. You guys kind of stroll in here. Uh, the majority of you guys kind of stroll in here, 9.30, 9.45, uh, grab a bagel, cream cheese, coffee, uh, cereal, and, and you don't ever think like, that that just kind of magically appeared on the table. Uh, there's people that wake up really early and go to work. Um, and so if you guys would, put your hands together for the Mill Sunday School team. So. Now, they, they are always looking for uh, more help. And so if you guys, if you guys would like to help, um, you guys can probably jump on on a rotational basis or as much as, much as you want to. Uh, four Sundays a month or five if it's March this time. Um, so, but if you want to just see Cliff Butler, he's at that table raising his hand. So, um, all right. So turn, turn with me to Luke chapter 10 or open up your notes uh, that is in there. Today is going to be kind of um, not, it's going to be more teachy than preachy, if that makes sense. Uh, I want to I show you guys how to how to read the Bible and then how to study the Bible. And it'll be in the context of um, understanding how kind of a short-term missions trip was done uh, with Jesus sending out uh, some of his disciples. So I'm going to read Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 12, and then I'm going to skip to 16 and read 16 through 20. So follow with me. This will be kind of... Um, A long passage to read. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you. For the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, quote, the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Now skip to 16. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me, but he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, that is Jesus, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So what I want to do today is I want to take that passage and kind of show one, one way of breaking that down and really saying, all right, God, I just read that. I've heard that story before. Um, it's easy to kind of read through some of those verses. The verses that we skipped in the middle of that uh, kind of confuse some of some of what's happening. Uh, you guys can look at it. It's like, woe to Chorazin. Uh, for if the miracles that had been done in your day had been done to Sodom, Sodom would still remain. Um, all that. And, and we, could, we could talk about that after Sunday school if you really want to. But I pulled those out so that we can, so that we can understand this. And what we're going to do is a process called exegesis. And I know, that, I know that Joe has taught that to you. Basically what that means is it's a, it's a critical interpretation of text, specifically of the Bible. And so as you guys do quiet time, as you guys pull out uh, your Bible and uh, you're sitting in, in your room or your, your kind of your secret place and you can read the Bible and then you, it's so easy to kind of get distracted during those times or read and then pray or worship. Um, but what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to learn how to, and, and some of you guys already know this and are, and are so great at it, but we're going to kind of do this practice and go verse by verse. Go back from the passage that you looked at, that you read through really quick, and then, and then take it verse by verse and pull out the context, pull out the meaning of what it means to you, and then also what it meant to the people that were involved in that story. So that process is called exegesis. But first of all, I, I want to show you these clips. Uh, I've, been, I've been trying to get these in uh, at some point this month, and they're kind of just, just funny. I have two clips. Uh, they're, they're just a little bit long, and so we're going we're gonna to watch the first one, uh, and, then, and then we'll move on to the second one. So... Hi, it's Vince with ShamWow. You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. It's like a chamois, it's like a towel, it's like a sponge. A regular towel doesn't work wet. This works wet or dry. This is for the house, the car, the boat, the RV. ShamWow holds 20 times its weight in liquid. Look at this. It just does the work. Why do you want to work twice as hard? Doesn't trip. Doesn't make a mess. Wring it out. You wash it in the washing machine. Made in Germany. You know the Germans always make good stuff. You can cut it in half. <laughs> use one as a bath mat. Drain your dishes with the other one. Use one as a towel. Olympic divers. They use it as a towel. Look at that. Completely dry. Put a wet sweater. Roll it up. It dries your sweaters. Here's some cola. Wine, coffee, cola, pet stains. Not only is the damage going to be on top. There's your mildew. That is going to smell. See that? The most of We're going to do this in real time. Look at this. Put on the spill. Turn it over. Without even putting any pressure, 50% of the cola right there. You following me, camera guy? The other 50%, the color starts to come up. No other towel is going to do that. It acts like a vacuum. And look at this. Virtually dry on the bottom. See what I'm telling you? Sham wow. You'll be saying wow every time. I can't live without it. I just love it. Oh, my gosh. I don't even buy paper towels anymore. If you're going to wash your cars or any kind of vehicle, 
You'd be out of your mind not to own one of these. All I can say is, Sam, wow. You're going to spend $20 every month on paper towels and your money away. The mini sham wows are for everything, for everyday use. This lasts 10 years. This lasts a week. I don't know. It sells itself. The sham wow sells for $19.95, but you get one for the house, one for the car, two for the kitchen and bathroom. But if you call now, within the next 20 minutes, because we can't do this all day, we'll give you a second set absolutely free. So that's eight sham wows for $19.95. comes with a 10-year warranty. Here's how to order. Call 1-800-951-780. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next clip. And the next clip, it's, it's going to be the same guy. But we'll work in kind of later how this fits into the context of missions. I love that guy. I love that guy. Like, I would buy, uh, if, if I saw that guy and I was walking at, like, the Pueblo County Fair, I guess is where he would be. I don't know. Maybe that, I, I, would, I would be like, give me eight of those sham wows. How can you live without a sham wow, really? So, uh, but then, then when we were pulling this up, uh, Patrick and I found this other clip, and so I want you guys to look at this. That's 1-800-951-7807. ShamWow is not available in stores and is made in Germany. Beware of ShamWow imitators. Call 1-800-951-7807. That's 1-800-951-7807. Hi, it's Fitz with Slap Chop. You're going to be in a great mood all day because you're going to be slapping your troubles away with the Slap Chop. Now, look, here's a potato. One slap, you got big chunks for stews. Two slaps, home fries in a second. And look at this. But you add a mushroom, the more you do it... Finally, you don't have to switch any blades. Now, you love salad, you hate making it. You know you hate making salads. That's why you don't have any salad in your diet. Watch this. One slap, salad. I love pizza, too, but once in a while, get the veggies in. At least throw it on top of the pizza. You're going to change your eating habits. Soup, coleslaw, stuff you want. Five seconds, four or five seconds, it's done. This thing, this tuna, looks boring. Stop having a boring tuna. Stop having a boring life. Add this tuna. Put it here like this. Now you're going to have a nice tuna salad. Look at this. You're going to have an exciting life now. Look, here's a hard-boiled egg. One shot. You add the pickle. You add the green onion. And what you can do, you can mix things together. You add the ham, and you're going to love this. You don't have time to make breakfast. Breakfast to go. You're going to love my nuts. Watch this. Almonds, walnuts. Comes with a cover. So you can do everything in the cover. All right? Or you can do it on the board. Whatever you'd like. So easy, one finger. If I can do it with one finger, you guys can do it with your whole hand. Kids can do it. You know what they charge at the ice cream stores? A dollar for toppings at the ice cream stores. Add a couple cookies if you want. So you can make it for 10 cents. Stop throwing your money away. You know, not only nuts, what about fruit? Put a mango. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful on your ice cream? The reason you're going to slap away every day is because it's so easy to clean. One, two, and pops open like that, like a butterfly to clean. Now, these other ones that you've seen in the stores, bacteria gets in the food, all the stores have this. You can't clean it. You can't open this up. It's worthless. Forget about it. <laughs> now, take the slap chop, right put side. it back together, <laughs> and you get the garlic. Side. All right, here's the garlic with the skin. There you go. These skins, the garlic. You're going to eat more garlic. The onions with the skin. All right, this is making you cry. You're making me cry. All right, life's hard enough as it is. You don't want to cry anymore. Put the slap chop right there. The skin's at the bottom. Hey, look, so you want a little bit of onions, you don't want to drag out the food processor, the skin comes right off. You see that? All right, now put a tomato in there, <laughs> add your cilantro, your hot peppers right there. You hit it like this. Guys, we're going to make America skinny again, one slap at a time. It's very quick. It's a time saver for recipes. Take it apart, washes, put it in the drawer, good to go. Easy, you just got one hand and chop. <laughs> now here's the deal, when you buy the slap chop, we're going to give you the grating for cheese. White cheese, <laughs> yellow cheese in the container. Comes with a twister. And watch this. Tacos, fettuccine, linguine, martini, bikini. Look at that. Comes with two <laughs> blades. Just bang it. Cheese comes right out. Fine and coarse. Parmesan. Comes with a cover. Stay sealed. Put it in the fridge. Take it out when you need it. Pass it around a table. You're going to love this thing. The Slap Chop sells for $19.95. But if you call now... Within the next 20 minutes, because you know we can't do this all day, you're going to get the grating absolutely free. So that's two for $19.95. The Slap Chop with the grating. Here's how to order. Call 1-800-951-7713. Call now. And you'll all right. So isn't he your new best friend now? Uh, we all need a Slap Chop. That's obvious. How, how have we lived without it? Our life has been what was, what was boring. You need your life to be exciting. and You can just get craziness. Craziness. Um, I saw that, though, and my, my thought on that is, is that he's passionate about something that, that he, 
he gets hired to do that, to sell something, and he gets so into it that people are like, how have I lived without this? But if they saw it hanging just at Walmart or something, they would so easily pass it and they say, well, I have paper towels or I have a towel or something. But then you get somebody to stand up and just basically preach about something and, and make you feel like, my life is boring. I really do need to spice it up. And, and so, people, so people are buying these things left and right. They're, they're people that go to county fairs, no doubt. But, um, but they are probably flying off the shelves. And, and when those things are on TV, they're probably calling that number and getting it for nineteen ninety five. And And I guarantee you they are having that special all day, even though he says they can't, probably. So, um, but on the month of missions, I've wondered uh, when it comes to when it comes to evangelism and selling what we have inside of us, do we believe in, in what we have as much as that guy believes in those simple things? Now, I think part of that is show. Um, but I think, I think we have too few people that say, man, I, I have this and you need it. Because, because I don't know that we believe in it enough. Now, Here's, here's kind of a simple example. Bring it back to, to kind of reality. Um, I don't know anybody that has a ShamWow. Uh, I might go get one after today. But um, the, the chop thing, we all, we all need that, no doubt. But I don't know anybody that has that. But um, let me give you an example. This, um, this is an iPhone, all right? Okay, I love my iPhone, I, I just got it. We had, we had some transitions, and I, and I was able to convince my wife that I need an iPhone. <laughs> um, there was just a little bit of an argument. <laughs> um, but I went out, and I went to the, the Mac store, the Apple store in Briargate. Have you guys ever been there? That's like heaven on earth. I, okay, I am not a tech person. I'm not like, if, when it comes to computers and phones and computer phones, uh, I'm, I'm kind of the last one to jump on board. But listen, you guys all know, if you guys have a Mac, you love Macs. And if you guys have a PC, you hate people that have Macs. Um, and so, but, but I had a few people tell me about iPods, and, and I kind of had an MP3 player, one of those like cheap things. And, and um, Cliff and I actually went to Peru one time. Cliff is just like sitting next to me on the plane telling me, man, you need an iPod in your life. And I'm like, I've got an MP3 player. But he's like, yeah, but this and this. And then, then he pulls out and like, we have this long plane ride to Lima. He pulls out his iPod and just watches a movie right here. And I'm like, great, I think I'll read. <laughs> you know? And so anyways, my point is, you guys know that there's people out there that just love their gadgets and love their gadgets and will tell you all about it. I got this iPhone. I, I've never had a more brilliant machine in my life okay um this this is phenomenal and i think that in a few in a few years all of you guys will eventually go in this direction because there's no smarter people out there than those that work that that work for apple and and put things like this together so um but but here's the deal this guy can get up and sell he he can sell the chop shop whatever that thing is called and the sham wow and and we can sell those things that we most use in our life. If you have an iPod, if you have an iPhone, if you have a Mac computer, um, if, if you have a sweet pair of shoes, whatever it is that you guys go and tell your friends about. But when it comes to evangelism, there's, there's kind of this stigma that it's hard to kind of break into somebody's life. Why do we feel like we can give um, unsolicited advice about gadgets and about... Uh, these new trends in fashion and different things. But we feel like now in this post, postmodern world that, well, we can't really share our faith unless somebody has kind of opened up the door for that. But I, I would walk up to a complete stranger. If you introduced me to a friend today, you got, you're like, hey, I just brought this person to Sunday school for the first time. Uh, and we met out, out there before Sunday school or after Sunday school. I would not, I would not hesitate for one minute to say, if they saw my phone and we we're scheduling something or, or whatever, if they saw my phone, I would never, ever hesitate to say, man, you got to get one of these. You have to. It'll change your life. Right? 
But then we have the message of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ came, God came to us, died on the cross in place of us, took our, took our sins and, and bore our burdens, and, and now we can live a free life. That through Him we have salvation, through Him we have freedom. But why is it so easy to sell somebody else's product when we have the greatest gift inside of us that we feel like, uh, well, I, I'm just waiting for a right opportunity. You know, I saw, I saw a book on the shelf um, recently, and, it, and it, the title of it was something like Evangelism for the Rest of Us. And I think it's because evangelism has been dominated by these people that, that go to, to downtown in a big city and get a box and uh, they just start preaching to nobody. It's like people are just walking this way and that, and they just they have a message and they start preaching it, or they're passing out sandwiches, or they're doing some drama in the middle of, in the middle of the city, and people some people stand and stand and, and watch, and some people do get saved by that. But I think the rest of us are like, I could never ever like drag a sound system into downtown Denver, or downtown Colorado Springs, and just go for it. That's I I think that's like maybe ten percent of us that could do that. But I think for the rest of us, it's like, man, I, I think I could share what's inside of me, but it would have to, it would have to come in the right context. I'm not going to get up in, in front of somebody. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the person that like takes, I, I just saw this. I was about to buy this for, uh, and put them all out on the table. Those tracks, those biblical tracks that are like the fake $5 bills. Those, those are so cheesy. Now, people get saved by that, I'm sure. Otherwise, they would have stopped printing that. Uh, but that's not me. I'm never, ever going to, like, go to a restaurant and, and leave, like, a, a fake folded-up $5 bill that the, that the waiter or waitress thinks, oh, here's my tip. Oh, wait, that's a different sort of tip. You know, so there's these different forms of evangelism and witnessing that have kind of that have kind of branded what evangelism is. And I think 90% of us feel like, I, I just don't know that I could do that. I'm not that type of a person. And so um, when we get back into Luke chapter 10, I'm going to tell you about kind of how, we did, how, how Jesus sent out uh, this group of disciples and how I think he kind of told them how evangelism is done. Because he didn't send these disciples out and say, hey, okay, here, take this box, take this speaker, take this microphone, and then find the busiest section in this whole village, maybe by the well or by, in the marketplace. And what I want you to do, once you get there, I want you to, to, to get in that busy place and then stand up on this box and say, all right, everybody gather around. I got something, for, I got something to say to you. Jesus didn't do that. So let's jump back in Luke chapter 10. Okay, verse 1 says this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. So, um, now, you guys can read in a couple different translations, and there's, there's some notes in your study Bibles about whether it was 70 or whether it was 72, but the, the gist of it is that they were sent out two by two. So, imagine that this is you going out these are these are not this is not the the core twelve disciples if you if you flip backwards in Luke, the twelve have already been sent out like this, and so this could include the twelve again or it could be the outer circle of Jesus, so you know that there were there were crowds that followed Jesus, and out of those crowds, Jesus chose the twelve and so this is where we find um, these seventy or these seventy two that they go out. And so if we think of this in the context of this is a short-term missions trip, um, Jesus sends them out just maybe as their best buds. You grab your friend and you're like, okay, let's go. And then um, in the New King James Version, I love, there's, there's uh, a phrase in there that he says, it says, um, he sends them out before his face. So in, in my mind, it's almost like he takes these pairs and he come and they come two by two to him, and in front of him he said, in front of him, they come and then maybe he lays their, his hands on them and then he says, okay, I want you guys to go to Bethany. I want you guys to go to this. I want you guys to go to that village. And so he sends them out. And what I think is, what I think is neat is he sends them out to places that 
he's going to go to. So if, he's, if he is Sham Wow Guy, if he is Vince, um, what he's doing is he's sending out these leaders um, to, to kind of swamp the marketplace. And so, and so he's, he's reaching into towns that he hasn't been to yet, so he's spreading the word. So word of mouth, this Jesus character is being spread all across the place. And so think, think about it that way. Two by two, they're going to these, different, to these different towns. So there are 35 towns, 36 towns that they're headed to. Okay, verse 2. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So as we're studying the Bible, we've read through this. We're in our, we're in our room. We're, we're all by ourselves. We've read through this. Uh, how do we really study the Bible? Well, now, now we're going back, back to it verse by verse and pulling it out. So in my notes, this is what I have. I have harvest is greater than, one of those signs, greater than workers equals pray. So I'm writing an equation down in my mind just so that, just so that I'm trying to think on all different levels. So, so this verse tells me that the harvest is greater than the workers, therefore, or equal sign, pray. And what's interesting there is he's basically telling the disciples to pray to him, right? And so, so if you think about that too long, you could get confused. But um, he's sending them out, but he wants them to realize, listen, you guys are going to go see the harvest. You're going to realize that I'm sending you out two by two when you really could take a team of 12 to this village or to this city or to this town, and you could stay there for a long time. So he goes, I'm re- I, realize, I realize that I'm sending you guys out and you guys aren't going to have enough resources or enough people to really do this uh, in, to completion. But, but I, know, I know my plan, and that is I'm spreading the word so that people will know, so that they'll gather around. And, and when, they, when they hear of Jesus, when they see me come into their town, then they'll at least have heard of me. So, harvest is greater than workers equals pray. Verse 3. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. That's a strong statement right there. That's a super strong statement. So it's easy to kind of read that sentence when you're going through this chapter and, and kind of pass over it. Man, Jesus, Jesus is, is not necessarily... I think, I think this verse right here kind of goes against modern day church capital C teachings. If you flip on TV and, and, you, and you watch some of these shows... Um, the crazy ones. And I'm not saying that all, all televangelists are bad, but I'm just saying, you guys know what I'm talking about. It, this verse right here goes against it because Jesus says, look, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Not, I'm sending you out in your own private jet plane. Not, I'm sending you out with a million dollars. Not, I'm sending you out with, with the answer to everything and uh, you're going to be totally taken care of. No, I'm sending you out as something that's completely innocent that really can't protect themselves, and I'm sending you to the, to, to the one place that, that these people want to destroy you, is what he's saying. And so we have to get in our mind this perspective that, listen, life is not going to be easy. The life of a missionary, the life of an, an evangelist, the life of just a modern-day Christian, not easy. Okay, And so you're reading through that, and that's, that's something that you can pull out of there. So hopefully you guys are kind of appreciating just, just kind of looking at this. Um, verse 5. Uh, sorry, I'm, uh, verse 4. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Uh, other, other translations say don't, don't take time. Uh, the message kind of expounds on that. Don't, don't waste time greeting everybody on the road. Meaning, meaning you, you're, you're being sent to a place, so don't delay. So keep moving, get to your destination... And then I think when, when he's talking about traveling light, basically, now you've got to think about this back in the day. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Saul out looking for his donkeys. And remember, he, he actually brought like a sack with food in it. And he said, he said listen, uh, we don't have any bread left in our sacks. And so he was just out looking for donkeys. So imagine this. He's sending, he, Jesus is sending these disciples out for a few days for sure. And he's saying, don't bring anything with you. I think that makes you look... Number one, like a local. It makes you look like, it makes you look different from the person with flower suitcase luggage, right? So, um, 
that we send people overseas and it's like, come on, easy. Um, so, um, you know, we, we send people overseas and we look like we just came from America. But I think, but I think Jesus is saying, hey, when you guys go, I want you guys to, to look like, hey, you're from around here, right? And then it's easier to strike up conversations. But if, if you got this caravan of camels and donkeys and bags and luggage and, and food and all that stuff, people might assume, uh, you're just passing through. You couldn't possibly be coming to this small town as a destination. This place couldn't be a destination for somebody carrying all of this stuff. Does this make sense? Okay, so he's saying, listen, I want you guys to travel light. That way you can stop at the well and people might think, I've never seen you guys before, but it doesn't look like you've come from very far. And then you strike up a conversation and they would immediately know after you tell them, yeah, well, we came from over here. They would immediately know this. Get this. You don't have any food. Therefore, in that custom, in that day, it would be their obligation to welcome you in to give you a meal. Okay? So, so but if, if we go thinking, I, I got I to gotta cover all my bases. I got to think through all of this. I got to be prepared. Then those people won't invite you in because you have a knapsack, because you have a brown bag lunch, because you have... What they think is just part of your journey. And this small town, my town that I've grown up in my whole life, you couldn't possibly be, this couldn't possibly be a destination. Nothing cool has ever happened here, right? Okay, so does that make sense? That's, that's kind of a lot to pull out of when it's just tucked into a chapter. And we, I think we sometimes read through chapters and just, and just move on. So, but I think when you go back and take it verse by verse and say, okay, what's the context of this? And that process is called exegesis. So, uh, verse five, I'm going to go through a couple more verses and we're going to have a discussion. Okay. Uh, verse five says this, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. Interesting. Um, but it just gives you a demeanor. Uh, he wants, he wants people to walk in and be a little bit different. Okay, that's different than all their other visitors just from, from their own town that would come and go. People that come over to your house and, and kind of just crash, uh, play video games, watch a movie, um, come in right before you guys are going to go someplace to hang out. He, they, he, he says, okay, I want, you, I want you to give them your peace. I want, I want there to be a transaction immediately. I want you to give something that's inside of you to them right when you walk in. That makes you markedly different. So speak peace. Think about that when you guys interact with people, your friends. And verse 6 says, if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. So he's saying, listen, you need to go seek out a man of peace. And let me tell you, there are men of peace in nations that have literally had the influence to change their nation because as missionaries are sent out many 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 missions organizations go to places that are that are unreached places or places that uh haven't kind of tipped that point and they look for men of peace they look for people that are just kind of a little bit more open a little bit less hostile and so when you go there you look for that and as you guys as you guys are kind of getting into occupations um going into business going into school you, you should be aware of those people uh, in your jobs, in, in the companies that you guys do business with. You look for that man, that woman of peace, and then you know, listen, this is somebody that I could anchor to and start ministry with. So verse 7. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. So this is, I think, speaking to stability. I think sometimes um, missionaries, we want to accomplish great things. We want to go in and change a village. We want to change a nation. We want to do this. Um, even, as, even as young Christians, I think um, we're kind of constantly thinking, all right, God, what's next? I'm going to school. Uh, I'm, I'm involved in this, but, but what's next? And I see a lot of people kind of making kind of rushed decisions. I even had a conversation um, on Friday with uh, somebody at the mill and they were talking about, well, I, I think, I think I, 
I think it's time for me to move out of here, move, move to a different state. And I kind of had that conversation of like, okay, so what's, what is it that's, that's kind of pulling you this way and that? And I think there's something special about finding a place and planting your roots there. And if they had kind of gone, think about this, in this culture, if they had spent the night at this house and then the next night they get asked to spend the night at this house, then almost they are the commodity that's being, that's being traded. And it's kind of a special thing for a small village to have these guests from out of town. But if they stay in one place, then they can develop a relationship with that family, that man of peace, and then it gives that man of peace greater influence in his own town. So he's already, they've already determined, listen, this is a man of peace, this is a man that we can trust. And then by having the visitors from out of town stay in his house, it builds up his influence. So that when they leave, the, the visitors, the, the villagers go to him and, and they kind of want the inside scoop. So what did you guys talk about? You know, like, like after the sun went down, what were those discussions that you guys had into the depths of the night? So stability. And then he also, he also says in verse 7, uh, eating and drinking whatever they give you. I think, that's, I think that's necessary in different cultures to just say, listen, I'm here and I'm going to become a part of who you are. And you guys, I know you guys have stories of being in Africa, being in India, being in different places where you've had, um, where you've had stuff put in front of you and you're like, they really want me to eat this? I have a, I have a picture. I should, I should bring it in next week of uh, somebody, this was from China, and it looks like a fried chicken foot, like like the bony like leg with the claw, and it looks like it just got dumped in the skillet or something, and, and this person's like, <laughs> and I'm like, There's, we, would, we never eat that, because it's like all the meat is on the other parts of the chicken, and they just gnaw on that in China like it's a delicacy. And so that's what's put before you. But if you don't eat it, then all of a sudden it's a little bit offensive. Like, so you guys, you guys get that point, I'm sure. Um, I'll give you guys two references on the part that the laborer is worthy of his wages. I want you guys to, uh, if you want to, look up um, some facts about Paul. 2 Corinthians 11.9, 1 Thessalonians 2.9, and Second Thessalonians three, six through fifteen. I know that's I know that's super fast. Second Corinthians eleven nine, First Thessalonians two nine, and Second Thessalonians three six through fifteen. We don't have time to go to that, but um, the first one is a reference to to Paul being supported as a missionary. The other two references are um, are references of Paul self-supported as a missionary and that's a whole different topic that we could jump into verse 8 says this when you enter a town and are welcomed eat what is set before you so jesus already told them eat what eat and drink what is set before you and then he reiterates that i think that's i think that's very interesting that he says it twice so there is something about submersing yourself in the culture of those people okay verse 9 and we're going to do discussion after this one Verse 9 says this, Heal the sick who are there and tell them, quote, The kingdom of God is near you. Hmm. It's interesting. Uh, I thought a lot about this because here's Jesus. He could have sat them down and told them exactly what to say, how to say it. He could have provided materials. He could have done whatever it is. Um, But... All he said was, tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Now think about, think about that. You walk into a village, you're welcomed into somebody's house, you recognize this person as a person of peace and a person of influence, you decide, okay, I'm going to eat a meal with you, and then I'm going to converse with you and share my life, and they obviously have questions for you. What Jesus wants you to say What he wants the disciples to say to that family is this. The kingdom of God is near you. I have people that are going on missions and from New Life Church and they come into my office or or meeting with me just in random times and they say, Evan, what do I say? What what am I going to say when I get over there? And they're scared because of what we talked about earlier, that this image of evangelism is this guy in, in... 
downtown Denver or whatever standing on a box with a sound system like a crazy last days preacher man shouting out the word of God and kind of condemning people or the guy that wears like the the cardboard signs on his front and the back that says the end is near all of that and the crazy craziness that's kind of 10 percent of of the evangelists that we have but the rest of us what do we do and so these people honestly are saying listen I'm raising money I'm going on this trip but when I get down there what am I going to say now, there is a scripture reference for this, and it's a couple, it's a couple chapters later in Luke. It's, it's Luke chapter 12, verses 11 through 12. It says this, When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. I just talked to somebody, uh, an uh, an older man that that I welcome to speak into my life. Um, that's a whole other topic. You guys, you guys all need somebody that can speak into your life. But um, I t- I was talking to him recently, and he said he said that verse is probably um, the verse that gets misconstrued so much because because people think okay they read that verse and then they're like oh I don't have to prepare oh I don't I I, I don't have to worry about it until I get into those situations. Um, but another verse that kind of contradicts that is be prepared in season and out of season. And um, what, as I was going back through this and just really thinking about this chapter and about this verse specifically, I had to ask myself this question. If the disciples are sitting in this house, they've just eaten a meal, they're all reclining and, and just enjoying the night. And Jesus tells them, this is what I want said. The kingdom of God is near you. What happens right after that? Well, and this is what, and this is what I want you guys to do eventually, breaking up and talking amongst your tables. If you want to jump on into another table, that's fine. I want one of you guys to pretend this. I want you to pretend like you've come to this table, this village, and you're a disciple of Jesus. So you guys have to kind of elect... Um, one person, maybe maybe the, the the person who is most different from everybody else at the table, and they're going to be they're going to be the disciple, and everybody else are going to be the villagers. Okay, and the disciple has to say this. You guys have to pretend we just we just shared a meal. Maybe maybe you could offer him uh, part of your half-eaten bagel, and you share a meal, and then the disciple has to say this: the kingdom of God is near you. So I want you guys to do that. And then I want you guys to see how that conversation happens. So in real time, and then we're going to talk about how I think it happened uh, in the Bible. So any Mark, get set, go. still on can you hear that okay just rambling um yeah been busy this coming week is this whole month is crazy just just speaking here and um in the month of march i, I will have spoken eight different times so and then and then dla is doing their history thing and i'm being part of that too so Continue, I'm just listening. So, hello. <laughs> good. Good, good. <laughs> yes, yes. You were there from the beginning. So who's who's the uh, disciple? There you go. There you go.
I'm just I'm just observing different tables. So. Too much laughing. You're the disciple. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Good. Are you the disciple? Awesome. Yeah. No pressure. I'm just a crazy villager. Okay, I'm back on. Can you guys hear me? Okay, wrap it up, wrap it up. Okay, Joel's going to have uh, the microphone. Is there any... Oh, I am Patrick's got one. Is there, is there any disciple that would like to share their experience in, uh, in this unique village? There are a bunch of unique villages out there. So any disciple that wants to kind of share their experience or what they said or... How it made them feel, anything like that? Anybody? Bueller. Bueller. So, uh, yes, Bill. My village wanted to know why, why they needed to know that the King of God was near, and I told them that um, it's a uh, that they needed to have life and life for eternity. Great, great. Anybody else? Okay, any villager want to share their experience of, of uh, what you felt about this stranger coming to your table uh, and, them, and them interacting? There's a lot of fingers being pointed. Yeah, right there. Okay, yeah, I thought he was strange, just the fact of how he dressed, but, you know, that's just me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just, because I asked him, you know, like what the difference between my God and his God is. You know, and he was, and he said that, you know, he asked if my God created me and does my God love me? And I was just like, uh, well, my God's not a creator God. My God's a God that I have to worship because otherwise um, bad things will happen to me. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Okay, anybody else want to stand up? Shout out a comment. Kind of once, twice. All right. Oh, Aaron Higgins. It's not really just about the villagers, but it's also about the missionary coming into the village, too. Hmm. And Bill, you know, he's not a stranger to me, but uh, he came to my village and we started asking him questions. What was the point of him coming? Hmm. And he had to actually think about it. Yeah. And it, it's, it's not about just simply sharing your faith as a missionary. I've been to Africa. I've been to the Dominican Republic. And it's not really about necessarily going out there to the people to reach masses of people. I think that's why Jesus specifically said, go to one house. Yep. Because you can just say the same message again and again, and it becomes rote. It becomes mm-hmm. the same. But you build a relationship with someone. They're going to start asking you heavier questions. And before you know it, you yourself are reaching yourself. Yep. As strange as yep. that sounds. Yep. That's great. Okay, thank you guys.
let's look at... Um, <laughs> this, is, this is really interesting. Okay, I think, this is, I think this is key to us being able and willing to share our faith. Okay? So I want you guys to take your Bible if you have them. I want you to open up to the book of Luke... And this is, all, this is all going back to how do you study your Bible? How do you read? How do you read a chapter? And then how do you go back? And how do you, how do you explain this? Okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn, I'm going to go ahead and turn to um, Luke chapter 3. Okay? And now what I'm going to do, if you have an NIV Bible, it'll be easy to follow along. If you have a different version, um, some of them will say slightly different things. All I'm going to do right here is read the titles to the paragraphs or the chapters. And we're going to work our way from Luke chapter 3 all the way back to Luke uh, chapter 10. Okay, Luke chapter 3 in the NIV. The title of that says, John the Baptist prepares the way. Um, move over here. Okay, Luke, still in chapter 3. Uh, the baptism and genealogy of Jesus, chapter 4, the temptation of Jesus. Uh, in in 4, Jesus rejected at Nazareth. Uh, still in 4, Jesus drives out an evil spirit. Uh, Jesus heals many. Chapter 5, the calling of the first disciples. The man with leprosy. Jesus heals a paralytic. Uh, Jesus' question about fasting. Chapter 6, Lord of the Sabbath. The Twelve Apostles, Blessings and Woes, which is the, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Love for Enemies, still Sermon on the Mount. Skipping, skipping down to chapter 7, The Faith of the Centurion. Um, Jesus Raises a Widow's Son, that's an awesome story. Jesus and John the Baptist. Jesus Anointed by a Sinful Woman. Chapter 8, The Parable of the Sower. The lamp on a stand, Jesus' mother and brothers, Jesus calms the storm. Also in John, that, that story has him walking on the water. Um, still in chapter 8, the healing of, of a demon-possessed man. Um, remember, remember that one, that's, that's when the, guy, the demon gets sent into the pigs. Um, still, in, still in 8, a dead girl and a sick woman. Remember, he, he brings a girl back from, back from the dead, and while he's walking there, the woman with the issue of blood is healed. Uh, chapter 9, t- Jesus sends out the 12. Chapter 9, still, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And um, Peter's confession of Christ, the transfiguration, the healing of a boy with an evil spirit, the, the argument of who will be the greatest, um, Samaritan opposition, and then the cost of following Jesus. So those are just all kind of chapter summaries, paragraph summaries. So what it does is it takes us back to what some of these disciples experienced and what all of these disciples had been told about. And so here's the deal. This is what I think happened. Jesus tells them, say this, after you've had your meal, when you're reclining, as you've gotten to know this family and they're trying to get to know you, you say this, the kingdom of God is near. And they say, what are you talking about? And then I think the default over the last few decades of Christianity is we think that we need a theological degree to then exposit what it means to be saved and talk about the theology of heaven versus hell and all of these different things where we start talking about all of this. And I think Jesus wanted them to say this so that the question could be asked, what, what do you really mean? And their only answer, the only training, the only thing that they had been taught was to say that. And so what has to come out of them? What has to come out of them is what they've experienced. Not what we know in our head, because when we talk about what we know in our head, we're going to get into an argument with comparing this God to that God, and what does that mean, and, and how does this all work in this context? But listen, if somebody's sitting at your dinner table and they just told you that they have spent the last few months or the last couple of years or whatever it is in that context, that they've spent that time with a man who's fed 5,000 people, who walked into a village and, and there was a procession, a funeral procession where a widow was 
was taking her only son out to be buried. And Jesus catches up, knowing all things, catches up. And it says, he was moved with compassion and laid his hand on the coffin and stopped the procession and told the son to come back to life. And it said he sat up and started talking because he was moved with compassion that a woman who had already lost her husband, whose whose sole source of income would now then rest on her son who had just died. See what happens? He just did that. That radically changes. That that has nothing to do with going off to a school and studying about uh, homiletics and exegesis and all of that. What, What that has everything to do with is you witness that And you are changed. You witness that and you can't help but talk about it. You witness that and you're selling sham wows to everybody that you meet. You witness that and you're selling your iPhone to everybody that you talk to. Right? And so so you're sitting at this table and you're not talking about theology. You're talking about Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is in you. It's It's this friend that you can't possibly explain. And now you think, I'm being sent out to this town and you just have to know. Listen, the kingdom of God is near you. I don't know exactly what that means, but let me tell you what I've experienced. I was sitting on a hill listening to this man preach. And it was time for all these people to eat. And I witnessed firsthand that this boy came with this small lunch. And this man took this small lunch and fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. He did a miracle that if I were to tell you. And then one day we were walking and we were trying to get to this girl who, who uh, had died. And this woman who was known in that region for always suffering, having this issue of blood. She, we didn't know about it, but we're kind of bumping into Jesus and... And she reaches out from behind and just grabs the hem, of his, the hem of his garment. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops. And he asks all of us, he asks me, who bumped into me? Who touched me? And, and our, our statement is, is, Jesus, there's a crowd of people here that just want to see a miracle take place. They know that you might go and heal this girl. And so there's, there's, there's tens and twenties and maybe, maybe a hundred people walking in this rush. And as we're walking through this place, there's more and more people that gather around us. Jesus, I bumped into you. How, what, are you. what are you talking about? Who touched me? You can't possibly expect us to keep up that high level of security that nobody touches you. But he asks again, who touched me? And a woman came and knelt before him and said, it was I who touched you. And he said, woman, your faith has healed you. And she was healed. And the people in that region knew who she was and she was forever changed. And it's those stories that you stay up all night talking. John says this, that, that, <laughs> that there's not enough room in the world to house the books that could be written about Jesus and about all the miracles that he did. And so we in America think that evangelism has everything to do with convincing the mind. But what it really has everything to do with is we have to be able to tell stories about when we were with Jesus and the miracles that we saw take place. And then it's easy when you're given a firsthand account to say, listen, I was here and this happened. Let me tell you about the Jesus that I know. And, and the kingdom of God has come near to you. And I want you. And those people sitting there. They can't help but believe those stories. And want that. Want that. Pete, listen. Everybody wants. Whether they know it or not. Everybody wants Jesus. Inside their life. They want something stirring inside of them. That that they can give to something else. They want to experience that. They want to touch that. They want to be able to tell those stories And if we can just go and tell those stories, people will be convinced. So, what did they say? Now, we don't have enough time to finish that out. But that's, I just wanted to kind of show you guys how you take a a passage of the Bible and go verse by verse and say, what does that mean to me? And what does that mean in the historical context? And then, now you guys know, you read further on in the Gospels and Jesus is going into these towns And people are bringing him, they're sick, they're coming to him to be healed. Why? Because two people went and stayed at a house and told stories about Jesus. And those people, once Jesus got there, received him. So let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we love you. God, we praise you. Jesus, we want to be able to tell your story. We want, we want to know you, God. We want to spend time with you. We want to be so consumed by you that you are what we're selling, that you are what we are all about, God. God, we don't want to, we don't want to talk more about the new gadgets and gadgets that have, that have come out. God, we want to talk about your word. We want to talk about your stories. We want to talk about your miracles. But God, we want to do it not, not, in, a, not in an argumentative, theological way. God, we want to do it in a real way based on our experience with you and our time with you. So God, we commit again our lives to you and we ask God that you would allow us to be your storytellers. Put us in private situations where we're able to share what we know about you and what you've been to us with those who are around us, God. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.